0: Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is November 4th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. The 2020 presidential election now coming down to just three states, Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. At the moment, Joe Biden slightly ahead of Donald Trump, but many more ballots are still left to count. In an unprecedented move, President Trump addressing the nation from the White House early this morning, claiming fraud while citing no evidence, saying that he will ask the Supreme Court to intervene in the ballot counting process. And a look at the balance of power on Capitol Hill. Were Democrats able to flip the Senate? And were Republicans able to make inroads in the House? We take a closer look. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. After a long night counting votes across the country, the 2020 presidential election is still a toss-up. Several swing state races remain too close to call, and now both the Trump and Biden campaigns are pushing forward with litigation over ballot counts. Today, the White House hanging in the balance with the race in several key battleground states still too close to call. Even though millions of votes still need to be counted, President Trump falsely declaring victory. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. We'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at four o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? Experts say calling on the Supreme Court to end the election would be an illegitimate move. The president has no power to stop legitimately cast votes from being counted. The Biden campaign calling the president's remarks a naked effort to take away the democratic rights of citizens. Overall, Trump did have a better night than expected, outperforming the polls once again and pulling in new voters. He picked up critical wins in states like Florida, Ohio, and Texas. But things are still far from over. Democratic rival Joe Biden also has a chance to claim victory. He's held on to blue states Trump tried to flip, like Minnesota, and has a significant lead in Arizona, a state that went red in 2016. Biden so far asking supporters for patience.
1: I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. It ain't over until every vote is counted, every ballot is counted. Due to a surge in
0: mail-in voting, it will more than likely take a few days to finish tallying all the ballots. And that's what's happening in the key state of Pennsylvania. This morning, Philadelphia's city commissioner said hundreds of thousands of ballots still had to be counted.
1: If everything keeps up, we'll have the total results
2: in the next couple of days. But Pennsylvania allows uh, votes to be received and counted up until Friday, three days after the election.
0: The magic number of electoral votes to win the White House is 270. And right now, either candidate still has a chance. Today, Biden's campaign manager is saying that the former vice president is in a clear path to win this election by this afternoon. The team is expecting to be able to pick up Pennsylvania, among other states. Now, let's remember, this is not official. It has yet to be seen. In more related election news, Democrats have been able to retain control of the House, and it appears as if Republicans will retain their majority in the Senate. Meanwhile, some late breaking news out of Wisconsin, a top election official in that state confirming that all the votes there have been counted and that the results by law should be certified before making them official. Overnight, Biden gained a small lead in Wisconsin after results from Milwaukee and other areas filtered in. Despite this, the race remains too close to call. The Trump campaign responding, saying they will call for a recount because the margin of victory is too slim. And there are reports surfacing that Joe Biden is projected to win the state of Maine with strong backing from groups including women, college graduates, and voters 65 and older. Biden picked up three of the state's four electoral college votes. Maine is one of only two states where there is no winner-take-all of the electoral college votes. The other is Nebraska. And of course, we have team coverage of the post-election situation across the country from coast to coast. First, let's go to Edwin Pitti. He's just outside the White House with the very latest. Edwin.
1: Hi, Andrea. We know that with the latest breaking news, the gap between President Trump and Joe Biden keeps narrowing to the point that we can start to feel the pressure by President Trump in the last couple of hours. He has been tweeting. One of those tweets that was even marked by Twitter as a misleading tweet says the following, last night I was leading often solidly in many key states. In almost all its instances, Democrat run control. Then, one by one, they started to magically disappear as surprise ballot dumps were counted. Very strange. And the pollsters got it completely and historically wrong. Andrea, the country seems to be very divided, and the result of that is exactly what is going on here in Lafayette Park. I'm gonna walk towards there to show you a little bit of the situation. Yesterday, almost 2,000 people gathered here to protest. They were dancing, they were praying, and everything happen in a peaceful manner, but today people seem to be a, a little bit more energetic. This morning we saw how the DC police had to get involved to avoid having two members of the protest, one supporting Trump and the other one supporting Biden, to fight. They have to get involved there to separate them. But right here, we have more people They have been here since early in the morning with a little um, with a huge sign i have to say with some crayons giving people the opportunity to write message and to express how they feel now we have information that there is another big protest coming here all the way from union station It's organized by many organizations here in washington dc they were initially scheduled to get here at four o'clock in the afternoon some of them will be coming here later tonight but apparently they are coming here as we speak, so we're gonna stay here to bring you the latest. But this is a celebration. The police were telling me that even though they were expecting some protests to become violent, that has not been the case. People have been protesting peacefully. Like I said before, they were dancing, they were praying, and that's what they would like to do today. Reporting live at Thai Lafayette Park by the White House, Edwin Petit, Andrea, back to you.
0: Hopefully, things remain peaceful around there. It's a situation that we will continue to monitor. And we have also seen protests in other parts of the country, like in the city of Los Angeles. And now, moving on, we will go to the state of Texas, where Pedro Rojas is standing by in Houston. Earlier this week, that city was the site of a series of legal battles over more than 127,000 ballots. Pedro, what can you tell us?
3: Well, the ambitions of the Democratic Party to turn Texas blue in this election fell short. And it fell short because apparently the Republicans managed to get a lot of people out to vote, not only in the large cities, but especially in the rural counties of this state. Even later last night, we were able to find out that President Trump won the election here in the state, just by about 600,000 votes. But the governor of the state, Greg Abbott, was celebrating the fact that that he was able to manage to get most of the Republicans elected, especially for statewide offices, as well as federal offices. Most of the uh, candidates that were running for Congress were able to get elected, as well as the U.S. Senator John Cornyn, which... Got reelected again in the state of Texas. This means that for now, this state at least will remain under the control of the Republicans. Now, what was important for many Republicans on this state was to keep the legislature in their control. And why is that? Because coming up in this next session and the state legislature, they will be able to redistrict. All the electoral districts in the state. And that means that Republicans still will get to decide how the elections will run in this state, at least for the next 10 years. And this is important because it allows them to create districts that are favorable to their base, to their base, to their party. So for now, at least Republicans in this state even though in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the downturn of the economy, we're able to stay in office and also gain momentum in some offices for Congress. And so that means that Republicans in Texas are here to stay at least for the time being. Back to you.
0: Thank you, Pedro, for that report. Investors are on edge about the outcome of this presidential election. U.S. stock futures tumbled early Wednesday over fears of a contested election. Dow futures dropped 1.5 percent, S&P 500 were down 1 percent, and NASDAQ futures were up just 0.5 percent after a 3 percent surge hours earlier. Investors had hoped early results would point to a clear winner, but that doesn't seem to be the case as key races like we just mentioned are still too close to call. And joining us now is Danielle Lang. She's the co-director of Voting Rights and Redistricting at the nonpartisan organization campaign Legal Center. Thanks so much for joining us as well, Danielle. Welcome.
2: Thank you you very much for having
0: Of course. So last night, the president said he wants the Supreme Court to intervene, but it's not exactly clear how or why. In what instances would the Supreme Court be needed to weigh in on the counting of all these ballots?
2: Well, you're absolutely right that it's far from clear uh, what the president or any candidate would mean uh, by talking about going directly to the Supreme Court about the counting of ballots. Uh, Courts do not decide our elections. By and large, the people do. Americans do. Uh, Sometimes courts can step in on very specific procedural matters having to do with counting the ballots. But quite frankly, all of the litigation that happened in the weeks and months leading up to the election make it far less unclear what those rules are, kind of settled what the rules of the road would be and now the ballots are being counted according to those rules. Uh, so there is no ticket to go to the Supreme Court if you're unhappy with the counting of the ballots and, and the outcome of the counting of the ballots. There is no declaring victory at the seventh-inning stretch and then ignoring whatever happens in the counting thereafter. Uh, we are going to receive in today and in in the days to come, final results uh, from the states with all of the ballots counted, all Americans' voices heard, and after that, we will have a
0: result. Now, we're still waiting on final tallies. Like we've mentioned, Pennsylvania, Michigan, very important states, and Wisconsin just said they have finished counting. But part of the reason for that delay is that Republican legislatures in those states did not approve early processing of ballots before Election Day. Talk to us about their reasons for not addressing this.
2: You're absolutely right. So um, in the run-up to this election, a lot of legislatures... recognized that there were going to be issues around counting of the ballots because we were going to see unprecedented numbers of mail-in ballots. And some states did all sorts of things to try to address um, access to absentee ballots and how they were going to count mail-in ballots in a timely fashion. And that's why you see such variation in um, how the different states are coming in with their results. You have a state like Florida that starts counting its ballots you know, well over 20 days before the election, as they come in, so that by the time election day rolls around, they're able to turn around their results very quickly. Unlike Florida, Um, The rules in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania limited election officials, so while all these mail-in ballots were piling up, while all the early vote was piling up, they could do nothing to start counting it until yesterday. And that's why we're seeing a slightly slower situation. Now, why it is that the legislatures chose not to step in, I'm not sure, Um, but they certainly can't be heard now to complain about it taking a day or two or three uh, to get to final results. um, When they made the decision not to allow election officials to start this process
0: early. I mean, we said it time and time again that we would see this sort of delay. Now, this year, we saw the governor of Texas limiting one ballot drop box for each county or efforts to discard drive through ballots. What other voter suppression tactics did we see this year in 2020? And have our institutions gotten better at protecting the right to vote for Americans?
2: I'll take your questions in two parts. Um, so, with respect to voter suppression, I was involved in the litigation around Governor Abbott's, you know, late-breaking order to reduce the number of ballot drop-off locations. Um, it was, you know, blatantly, in my view, intended to suppress the right to vote. There was no other explanation. Harris County, which is where Houston is, was running, um, I believe, it was eleven. Um, Locations. They were all running fine. They all had this exact same security procedures. And then the governor said, "No, you have to go down to one location for one of the largest cities in the United States of America." That being said, um, we saw very similar voter suppression efforts in a number of states. Unfortunately, largely around mail in and absentee voting. Um, COVID nineteen hit. America prepared itself to vote. By and large, by mail in order to protect not only their health, but the health of those around them and make sure that polling locations would not be unduly crowded. And unfortunately, legislators didn't respond to that all the time by kind of enabling voters. Now some did, but others took advantage of voters wanting to utilize this process to make that process as hard as possible. For example yesterday I was in the command center for the state of Missouri all day long and the state of Missouri has the most complicated vote by mail rules I have ever encountered they created an arbitrary distinction between what they called absentee ballots for people who had quote unquote excuses for voting um by mail, and the mail ballots for people who, quote, unquote, did not have an excuse, and then they treated them differently. One set of ballots you could turn in in person, another set of ballots you had to use USPS, so you were at the mercy of the Postal Service. One set of ballots you always had to get notarized, one set you didn't. It was incredibly confusing to voters, and those are the types of tactics we saw. As to whether or not we're seeing our institutions protecting voters and the right to vote, Like quite frankly, can't report that I think that's the case. Um, it, you know, The state and federal courts did not step in in the way that we would have hoped to protect voters. Um, but what we did see was that American voters are stronger than the tactics that are being used against them. What we did see was Americans showing up in unprecedented numbers and making their voices heard regardless of what hurdles they had to jump over. So what we know is that Americans' voices are powerful That's why there has been so much work to suppress them at times. Um, And what we saw yesterday was Americans exercising that power um, and not allowing their voices to be
0: muffled. Danielle Lang of the Campaign Legal Center very well said. It was a historic day, a huge voter turnout, and that's definitely a good thing. For now, the counting continues. Have a great one.
2: Thanks, you too. Thank you.
0: Meanwhile, in Missouri, Corey Bush made history on Tuesday night. The Democrat becomes the first black woman to represent Missouri in the U.S. House. Bush defeated Republican Anthony Rogers and libertarian Alex Furman to win the state's first congressional district seat. Back in August, Bush stunned political pundits when she defeated Representative William Lacey Clay in the Democratic primary. His family had held the U.S. House seat for more than 50 years. And Sarah McBride, national press secretary at the Human Rights Campaign, has become the first openly transgender state senator in U.S. history after winning a state senate seat in Delaware on Tuesday night. McBride's win, which was reported by the New York Times, means she will be the highest ranking openly transgender official in this country. She is part of a tr- surge of transgender candidates running for office this election cycle. And another state election news, Oregon became the first state to decriminalize hard drugs like heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine in a 59 to 41 percent vote as of early Wednesday morning. The Drug Addiction Treatment and Recovery Act will transition Oregon's drug policy from a punitive criminal approach to a, quote, humane, cost-effective health approach. Instead of treating drug users as criminals, Oregon will now offer them addiction services funded by marijuana tax revenue, which totals more than $100 million a year in that state. And in New Jersey, voters approved a ballot measure to legalize recreational marijuana. Medical use of marijuana was already legal in the Garden State, but the legislature had been unable to pass a bill to fully legalize cannabis. Under the ballot measure approved by voters, marijuana would be legal for personal use by adults 21 and older. Arizona and South Dakota also voted to legalize recreational marijuana and new data from the postal service appears to show a failure to deliver mail ballots to voters across the country on election day according to reporting by the outlet the hill this could mean hundreds of thousands of ballots never arrived to election centers and this is what happened apparently to our next guest claudia maria alonso she was forced to take a last minute flight from new york city to miami to cast her vote in person so thanks so much for joining us today on u news claudia welcome Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Claudia, talk to us about what happened. Why did you decide to fly last minute, especially in the middle of a pandemic?
4: I think it was ultimately um, the need to exercise my right to vote. I had made several attempts with the Department of Elections in Miami-Dade County, where I'm registered to vote for my absentee ballot to be sent to my address in New York City. And um, two attempts later i never received my ballot and i think it was tuesday last tuesday i spoke with my brother and he said you got to get down here you got to make your voice heard and that's exactly what i did it was a it was a quick decision to make
0: can you go into more debt in depth as to what the department of elections in florida say about your ballot its status what the situation was how long was this process
4: uh the process was about four weeks uh the department of elections in miami had originally had me sign print out sign an affidavit for my address in New York. I mailed it in via the USPS and about three weeks later I called to check in because I had not received my ballot. They said they hadn't received my affidavit. They later instructed me to just simply send in a copy of my driver's license to an email address and that same day they registered it and said that they sent a ballot out. However, I never received my ballot. I waited about a week from the time I sent in this email with my driver's license
0: To waiting for my ballot and ultimately making the decision to go to Miami to vote. At this point today, do you know what happened to it or it's still lost? Nope. No one knows. No one knows. I have no idea. Um, And when I called the Department of Elections to let them know,
4: cancel my absentee ballot, I'm going to vote in person, um, they had no record of it. They were just like, okay, sure, come on over and vote. There was no need to cancel the absentee ballot.
0: Claudia, what motivated you to go ahead and pay for airfare, take the time to come here to Miami, leave New York and cast your vote? I can imagine there are certain issues that really you're really passionate about and you wanted to make your voice heard.
4: I think ultimately it goes down to my family. I am the daughter of Cuban exiles and my family left in the late 1950s during the communist revolution. And they fought hard and they worked hard in this country to make sure that i have the rights that i have now and it would be doing them and the cuban people a disservice not to be able to vote and it was almost um, a love letter to my late grandparents to let them know that i am doing everything i can
0: to make sure my voice is heard well claudia maria alonso in brooklyn new york thank you so much and i really applaud this huge effort that you made in order to make your voice heard Mm -hmm. it's great to see young people out there voting thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. More of you news after this short break. Welcome back to You News. And as Americans headed to the polls, experts warn isolating after voting in person in hot spots might be a good idea. The virus surging again across the country. Hospitalizations surpassing 50,000 and deaths rising in more than two dozen states. Lorraine Caceres has the latest.
5: Almost nine million
0: four thousand cases of
5: coronavirus in the U.S. as Americans headed to the polls Tuesday. The virus top of mind for many as they cast their ballots.
3: This election seems more important than most. I know they say that for every election, but this one in particular seems um, just uh, with COVID and everything way more important.
5: Health experts say it may be a good idea to quarantine if you voted at the polls in hot spots. If you're in a hot zone, um, if you're in a crowded area where, again, the distancing measures might not have been um, well implemented, or if everyone wasn't wearing a mask, if you feel uncomfortable, absolutely. Cases are surging in nearly every state. Montana reporting on Tuesday its third highest day for new coronavirus cases since the pandemic began. And in the southwest, New Mexico surpassing 1,000 cases for the third day in less than a week, a record for the state. Deaths are on the rise in at least 25 states, including Massachusetts.
4: It means changing our behavior and putting our guard back where it belongs, which is up.
5: The COVID tracking project is reporting more than 50,000 patients are currently hospitalized. But the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is actually going further, estimating the number at over 52,000. Right now, 70 percent of hospital beds are currently full, with COVID-19 accounting for just under 11 percent of them. Meanwhile, in New York City, new research from Mount Sinai estimates at least 1.7 million residents had been infected with the virus by April 19th, about 20 percent of the city's population approach the holidays experts are warning people not to rely on testing alone to determine whether to see family or not saying that even if you test negative and present no symptoms you can still be positive and you can still be spreading the virus unknowingly. Andrea back to you. Thank you Lorraine for that report.